Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Southern Spectre Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah, and as always, thanks for listening. Well, first of all, ladies and gentlemen, I'd really like to kick things off. Now, here a while back, I actually put out a bit of a casting call for the show. And like I mentioned then, you know, it does get a little bit lonely here, just kind of talking to myself and being trapped in my own world with my own thoughts. And so with that being said, when I put that casting call out, someone answered back. And that someone is actually here on the show tonight with us. Uh, I'd like to introduce you all to Lexi. Lexi, how are you? I am well. How are you this evening? I am good. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for being here. Um, yeah, you bet. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, what made you want to come on the show to begin with? Sure. Uh, well, again, my name is Lexi. Um, I'm a lifelong Texan, so the Southern Spectre really spoke to me. Uh, if you consider Texas Southern, I do. I don't know if you claim us, but I do. Um, I have been a fan of everything creepy, crawly, spooky for as long as I can remember. Pretty much everything that you cover on your show is right up my alley. Um, and so I, I was listening to your show, really enjoying it. And then I saw and heard your casting call. I thought that sounds like something I really would like to be a part of. So I reached out to you and here we are. Absolutely. And thank you once again for uh, reaching out to that because I think I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be a good upgrade for the show. And I think I feel like you have a lot to bring and offer to the show as well as our listeners. So once again, thank you for answering that casting call. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate you letting me be on. Absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I got a few announcements here. Just a couple reminders here for you. Uh, for those of you who maybe have just discovered the Southern Spectre podcast, thank you for tuning in. And uh, I'd really greatly appreciate it if you go, if you're enjoying what you're listening to, go give us a like, go give us a review. I really do appreciate it. It does help the show. Um, and any old listeners that I have, uh, any longtime fans, thank you for listening and thank you for sticking around. We really do appreciate it. Um, I'd like to remind you all of uh, the contest that I have going on right now. Um, it's going to be a bit of a giveaway. We have some Halloween things, some decorations. Uh, let's see. I think there's a little Jason Voorhees plush doll on there. Uh, we have some window decals. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else is in the bag, but it's just a whole assortment of goodies and things to kind of help you get into that Halloween holiday spirit. And uh, definitely, I, I wish I could keep it all for myself, but unfortunately, that's not how giveaways work. So uh, I just remember to be entered for that. Uh, all you have to do is go to Instagram.com forward slash the Southern Spectre, and you can find me there. Give us a like, a follow, and you should find a post. Uh, it should be a little video where I'm actually describing all the little goodies that are in that giveaway. Um, you can also find me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Southern Spectre podcast, as well as TikTok. I'm on TikTok now at the Southern Spectre podcast as well. So if you want to be entered, go give us a like and a follow. I'll put all the names in a hat next uh, week because I'm actually going to do be, we're going to be doing a live show on that. Um, that will be, I believe that's October the 2nd. I will be putting out more details about that later this week, but it'll be a live drawing and we'll go from there. And one lucky winner will win all of that. And other than that, um, 
we, as you know, and, and unless you've been living under a rock, uh, you know uh, what I discussed about on here last time. Now, I'm going to discuss the entire, we're going to do a breakdown. Me and Lexi are going to do a bit of a breakdown of the Alex Murdaugh, uh, the whole, everything that's been going on from the beginning and we're going to dive into a little bit of some stuff along the way. And then of course, we're going to get into the most recent information that has recently come out. All right, Lexi, we're going to go ahead and dive back into the Alex Murdoch case here, um, or the Murdoch case. Uh, now this all kind of started, we're going to say started, uh, back in 2015, uh, July 8th to be exact. Uh, when 19-year-old Stephen Smith uh, was found deceased on Sandy Run Road, uh, which is located in Hampton County. Um, but no arrests have been made in that case. Um, that was a sad situation, and, uh, you know, it, it it just doesn't get any more troubling than that for a parent or, or, or to a community to hear anything like that come along like that, you know? Uh, right. So then it moves forward. The next big date in this whole scenario is February 26th of 2018. And this is where uh, 57-year-old Gloria, Gloria Satterfield, uh, she passed away after a trip and fall accident at the Murdaugh family home. Now, she had actually served as the Murdaugh uh, maid and housekeeper for over two decades. Now, the funny thing about this is from what I've understood is that Paul was actually the only other person in the home with her at this time. I'm not a hundred percent on that, but that is something that I believe I have read somewhere along the lines, uh, that he, he and Miss Gloria Satterfield were the only two in the home when she, when the accident occurred. Wow. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, now, from what I understand, of course, now, uh, Miss Gloria Satterfield, her sons um, were the heirs to her estate, of course. Now, when she, upon her passing, uh, it was believed that there was a, a substantial amount of money that had been paid out uh, from Lloyd's of London, which is an insurance company. Um, so I'm assuming mm -hmm. this was like ruled as an accidental death. Um, but with recent information that has just come out, it appears that her sons never actually received any money. And it's believed that I don't want to let me look at my paperwork here because I don't want to tell you wrong. Now, this comes from WCSC, which is a news outlet in Charleston, South Carolina. So after the death of the longtime housekeeper uh, for the Murdoch family, Gloria Satterfield, uh, the lawyers of her two children say the surviving family members never got the millions that they were entitled to. So Ronnie Richter, who is a partner in the new law firm representing uh, Satterfield's estate, says right before the wrongful death settlement for $505,000 was reached in December of 2018, Tony Satterfield was removed as the personal representative for his mother's estate. Now, according to Miss Satterfield's hmm. obituary, she died at the age of 57 on February 26, 2018 at Trident Medical Center, which is a hospital down in Charleston. And uh, it says she had died from injuries that she sustained after a, quote, a trip and fall accident. So this is all information according to the wrongful 
death settlement. Now, the lawyers for Satterfield's estate say she worked for the Murdaws more than 20 years. And that's a long time to work for somebody uh, with nothing to show. And, uh, it, you know, it was a sad ending for her all the way around um, for someone. Because I had, I have, I've heard rumors, and, and like I said, this is all rumors, but I had heard that uh, she, uh, she did what she had to do as a mother to uh, raise her family and to protect her, her children. And that there would be times that she was actually living in her car. And, you know, that's, wow. that's, that's troubling for anybody. Now, now the Sat, uh, Miss Satterfield's children say they feel uh, taken advantage of by the Murdoch family. Now, here, here's another funny thing about it. Even though Miss Satterfield was, uh, she was in this position and she was trying to raise and protect her own children uh, on the same hand, in a way, she raised, in a way, she raised the Murdoch children. When you think about it, as long as she True. was in the household, mm -hmm. yeah, twenty years—that's a long time. Their whole life, basically, yeah. Yeah, that's a long time for uh, anybody to be in any one position of uh, employment. Period. Ronnie Richter and his partner Eric Bland, who are once again the lawyers in this case, say that Corey Fleming, who was a very close friend to Alex Murdoch. Um, Quote, it's very strange that Alex would carry, hand carry them to a lawyer that would come sue him. Uh, end quote. Eric Bland told WIS. So apparently that he actually, uh, Alex Murdahl actually kind of, I don't want to say hand fed, but uh, that's the words that's coming to mind. But he was the one that kind of sent her children to Corey Fleming, who was. Uh, well, Corey Fleming was a close friend of Alex. Um, it's just weird that would hand... I'm, I'm a little confused here. It's very strange that Alex Murdoch would hand carry them to a lawyer that would come sue him. Hmm. That would come sue him, right. That's... Hmm. That is interesting. I thought that too the first time I heard that it... I kind of had to listen to it again. Be like, did I hear that right? That just yeah, because it, it says Richter know. says a representative with Palmetto State Bank, who is Chad Westendorf, was the one who was present to represent the Satterfield estate when the settlement was reached. Not her son. A move that Richter says would have been arranged by the Satterfield estate's first lawyer, Corey Fleming. In a lawsuit, Richter and his partner Eric Bland say Corey Fleming is a close friend of Alex Murdoch. Quote, it's very strange that Alex Murdoch would hand carry them to a lawyer that would come sue him. Eric Bland told WIS. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so Richter, it, it, it's just, I don't know. Strange, but not strange. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, so Richter says Gloria's son, Tony, didn't know about the half a million dollar settlement until he saw a report of it earlier this year after the murders of Paul and Maggie Murdaugh. Um, so this, 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 this death of the, his mother occurred in 2018 and her son wasn't even aware of any money that should be coming to them until 2021. That doesn't add up in my head. Now, was this tied up? Um, was it tied up in a just insurance? Um, if it's coming from Lloyd's London Insurance, was it just tied up in an insurance claim? 
um, you know, where where was the money? That's a good question. That's a good question. I, I agree because you have you have three parties involved as far as that goes. You have uh, Corey Fleming, uh, who was at the time uh, their lawyer, who was right. representing her estate. Then you had Palmetto State Bank, who was the bank that was that was actually supposed to hold on to the money. And then, of course, you had uh, you had Lloyd's of London. So Lloyd's of London was the one paying it out. And then Palmetto right. State Bank was the bank that was supposed to hold on to these funds until it was time to disperse those funds. And then, of course, you had Corey Fleming. Now, how much how much uh, play Lloyd's of London, the insurance company, as well as Palmetto State Bank actually had in any of this other than holding on to the money is unbeknownst to me. Uh, I, I don't really know how much uh they know about what was going on with everything because as you read on uh from my understanding from the article i had read that uh that it it appeared to be that alex murdoch had actually gotten this money that's why they never received it that he was actually all this money was actually coming back to him so ronnie richter actually says quote we know where it did not go we have some pretty good ideas of where it went, but I'm not able to disclose where it went yet. He, he goes on to say that, quote, where we think it went stinks the hell, end quote. Uh, but Richter says his, says his clients lost out on a lot more than $505,000. In May of 2019, Richter says another unfiled petition was prepared to raise the price of the settlement to a total of $4.3 million. Uh, Now, Richter says a hearing appears to have been held on this unfiled petition. So it was unfiled, uh, but didn't provide any details on how he knows about this unfiled petition or the hearing held on it. So Richter goes on to explain that the increase as additional funds uh, being recovered from another insurance provider and his clients were left out of the entire process. Richter calls all of this, quote, highly unusual. So it sounds like you have another uh, insurance source outside of Lloyd's of London, the way that mm-hmm. kind of reads, uh, because Lloyd's of London is the only one uh, that I'm aware of up until this point. And the only reason I, I'm I'm actually familiar with them as well, but only <laughs> it's a callback to my childhood because my father was actually in business for himself at one time too. And uh, I remember overhearing conversations uh, with him and my mother about that, you know. Right. And another thing, I don't know if we know this or not, but did the Satterfield family handpick Corey Fleming as their representing attorney or how did that come about do we know see that's where i think that statement i read earlier and kind of got confused on kind of comes into play because i believe uh, you know you have to think that the satterfield children they just lost their mother mm-hmm. they're a little bit heartbroken uh maybe they're not the best with finances and paperwork um so then you have alex murdoch who uh probably in their eyes probably seems like a bit of a close friend or family figure that they could trust. Right. And then he kind of, from, from what this article, I think that's what we were talking about earlier. I think he kind of, uh, 
kind of led them to Corey Fleming or led Corey Fleming to them. Let's put it mm-hmm. that way. Yeah, maybe their intent wasn't necessarily to sue the Murdoch family. It was just they knew there would be an insurance settlement, um, and he was maybe going to help facilitate that for them or claim to help facilitate that for them. Um, a possibility. Um, Ronnie Richter goes on to explain that when legal fees and out-of-pocket costs are removed from the total settlement, the Satterfield children are entitled to $2.7 million and haven't seen a penny. So they are correct. This goes way above and beyond mm-hmm. uh, $505,000. Unless, like you said, there is a, another insurance policy, you know, maybe an umbrella, a personal umbrella, something like that. Um, I, I don't really know. Possibility. Now, from where I understand that the $505,000 actually comes from is $500,000 would be like for an accidental Mm -hmm. death in the home, if if I'm understanding that correctly. And then you have $5,000 that was supposedly paid out of pocket or was supposed to go toward uh, hospital expenses for Miss Satterfield during the time that she was uh, in the hospital. That would make sense. Uh, So I do believe that's where that comes from. All right, so fast forward. Now, in my opinion, this is the entire case right here that kind of broke broke the mold on everything, broke the shell off of everything that was going on, and that is, of course, the, uh, the boat accident that occurred in Beaufort County. So on February 24th of 2019, uh, there was a boating accident, and uh, it is believed that Paul Murdaugh was the one behind the wheel, uh, according to reports, he was the one behind the wheel. It, it's funny because, you know, these are these are all co- college college age kids. They all want to go out and have a good time and enjoy themselves. And uh, so what ended up happening then was they all went to the to an oyster roast. Um, but I believe on his way down to uh, Beaufort, he stopped off at a store and uh, I believe he was using his report said he was using uh, Buster mm-hmm. Murdaugh, his older brother, using his ID to purchase alcohol with. He stopped at a gas station. He picked up a case of beer and then he left from there and made his way to, I guess, meet up with friends and board the boat. Uh, now, where the boat was actually at down in Beaufort, I have no idea. Uh, so like I said, from my understanding, they all get on the boat. They're all having a good time. They make their way down river or up river, all head to a oyster roast during that time. And so according to one of the ladies that was there at the party, according to her, she says that, um, she, they, when they left that night, they did not seem to be intoxicated. Hmm. Now, from what I understand, they actually have GPS uh, tracking location, keeping tabs on where this boat is the entire time. So by that, they were able to get a very good time frame of when the boat arrived to when the boat left to even when the boat hit the bridge piling, um, you know, at, at the scene of the, you know, when the accident occurred later that, that mm-hmm. night. So I do believe, I want to say it was, maybe 11 or so I, i'm not sure i am not very good with the, with the time uh on this so i'm not going to even speak on the time right now but i do know sure. that the the whole crew they left because on the way back uh they actually stopped at the public dock dock uh and i'm trying to think of it it's it's the chambers water park uh henry chambers water park uh 
which is, you know, waterfront right there just off of uh, Bay Street in Beaufort. And uh, it appears to me, because I did watch the video, the security footage of everything, and I believe it was it was one of the cook boys. I can't recall recall which one, but I believe it was one of the cook boys. And Paul had actually, after they docked the boat, they left and went up to a bar which was still open, which I believe was Luther's Bar and Grill. Um, they sat down, they ordered a couple more drinks, and then they got back to the boat and they left. Of course, this is where everybody reports that uh, there seemed to be like some conflict about who was actually going to be driving the boat because Paul was adamant that he was the one going to be driving the boat. Um, and I don't know if I mentioned this in the last episode, but according to those that knew Paul and kind of hung out with Paul, uh, he had a bit of a, I don't want to say split personality, but an alter ego, if you will. Um, you know, you know how alcohol affects different people. So, it, right. It's kind of said that when he got to drinking, they actually referred to him as Timmy. And it seemed to me like Timmy was always 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Mm-hmm. And Alter ego. They knew. They, they had that sense about it, about when he was coming about, you know. And so it had been reported that when sometime that he actually, uh, like I said, got in an argument um and, you know, 40 degrees outside and he starts stripping down. He stripped all the way down, pretty much naked, all the way down to his boxers at that point. And in 40 degree weather, you know, that that's not fun for anyone. Uh, but then, of course, shortly thereafter, they hit the piling. And that's when Mallory Beach went into the water. And uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, that was that was the end for her. And right. uh, that is such a sad story for such a young a young person to uh for it to end like that all right so mallory beach 19 years old she goes missing after the boating accident uh almost a week later on march 3rd 2019 um after a week long of searching for her body they finally found her uh it was near a marsh she was found near a marsh area near the broad river boat landing in beaufort county um and i remember that you know it, it was crazy because it was one of those times where you actually see a community come together uh anybody with a boat was out on the water looking for this young girl and it was it, it was crazy you know um we i think a lot of people at that time you know they held out for the best um you know unfortunately in the end this is how it occurred and, and it's like i said it's just it's right. just terribly sad um so in march of the same year 2019 uh mallory beach's family actually uh filed a wrongful death lawsuit against buford uh it says against a Beaufort County bar, uh, a convenience store, and two homeowners, all of whom the suit claims served uh, Mallory as well as her friends that were there that night alcohol, uh, which was, of course, the night of the mm -hmm. crash. Uh, the lawsuit was later amended to only name Richard Alexander Alex Murdaugh Sr., uh, Richard Alexander Buster Murdaugh Jr., and Parker's Convenience Store. So it only names Alex and uh, Buster in there, uh, as well as the convenience store where he had stopped to purchase beer. Uh, now, why it just narrowed it down to Alex and Buster is kind of lost on me. And the, the reason I say that is because other than Buster's driver's license being used, uh, 
mm-hmm. and the fact that uh, I'm not sure if the boat actually belonged to Alex, which I'm assuming it would have, because Paul, being the age he is, you wouldn't think that he could afford a boat such as this. Uh, so right. I'm not 100% on that. Don't know. I thought I saw somewhere that um, Alex was the owner of the boat. Yeah, I'm sure he was. Not 100% sure, but I, I thought I recalled seeing that somewhere. I got you. Uh, so then in April of 2019, April 18th of 2019, uh, Paul Murdahl, who was driving the boat at the time or reported to be driving the boat at the time, uh, was he was indicted on charges of boating under the influence uh, causing death and two counts of boating under the influence causing great bodily harm because there were others on the boat as well and they uh, sustained a, a, a number of injuries as well. Mm-hmm. So then in May... Uh, May 6, 2019, uh, he pled not guilty to all charges. Now, it says Murdahl pleads not guilty to all charges, but it's not being being very clear as to who that Murdahl was. So I'm assuming it was Paul. On June 4th of 2021, uh, court ordered mediation in the wrongful death lawsuit fails, which appears to make the case bound for trial. Then on June 7th, just three days later, 2021, Alex Murdahl comes home and discovers the bodies of his son, Paul, and wife, Maggie, at their 1,770-acre hunting lodge in Islandton, Colleton County. And a, it says a 911 call was placed wow. at 10.07 that night. You know, to come home and, and find a find something like that is just, I don't think anybody should have to go through that. Yeah, that's unimaginable. Absolutely. So Colleton County Sheriff's Office responds and secures the scene. South Carolina State Law Enforcement or SL- uh, Division, or SLED for short, was contacted at 10.28 p.m. to assist. SLED agents arrived at 11.47. And according to a family friend, uh, they told local news that, quote, it was just siren after siren. And I can imagine so. All right, so then on June 8th of 2021, authorities confirmed the identities of the deceased, referring to the incident as a double homicide. However, they say there is no threat to the public. Uh, June 11th, 2021, a graveside service was held at Hampton Cemetery for both Paul and Maggie Murdoch. June 14th, uh, 2021, the Colleton County coroner confirmed both Paul and Maggie Murdaugh died from multiple gunshot wounds. Uh, estimated time of death was somewhere between 9 and 9.30. And if you recall, uh, the 911 was placed by Alex at 10.07 that night. Uh, June 16th, 2021, SLED creates a 24-hour de- uh, dedicated tip line for the case. Uh, if any, Here's that... Uh, Here's that number right now. So if anybody out there uh, may know anything, feel free to call Uh, 803-896-2605. Again, 803-896-2605. June 17th, 2021, Alex Murdaugh's brothers, Randy Murdaugh and John Murdaugh, appeared in an exclusive ABC interview in which they plead with the public to come forward with any information uh, about the murders. Uh, They say they don't know whether the family has enemies, but Paul had received threats. So apparently Paul had received threats at some point. Um, It doesn't say when, it doesn't say from who, it just says he has received threats. And of course, 
uh, Alex's brothers uh, being Paul's uncles. They want to do what's right in their eyes, and they want to, you know, see that justice is carried out for their uh, nephew as well as their brother. Then on June 21st of 2021, SLED released a handful of heavily redacted documents shedding light on what deputies discovered the night of the murders. Now, there's no telling what has come out, um, you know, everything that we don't know, the public doesn't know, which I don't, I'm not sure how much of that information is, is still private at this point, you know? Right. So then on June 23rd of 2021, based on information gathered in the Murdoch investigation, SLED said it is looking into the 2015 death of Stephen Smith in Hampton County. SLED does not elaborate on what information it obtained. So uh, this is, so here's the thing, uh, it, it, you know, because these are very few days apart. So you have June 21st when SLED released a bunch of documents um, it, that were, that talked about these murders. And then on just a few days later, three days later, they, they say that they have gathered some sort of information or evidence uh, that is causing them to look back into the, uh, 2015 death of Stephen Smith. Now it says look into. It doesn't say investigate. Um, now I'm not sure if they're referring to the same thing, mm -hmm. but you know, just like Alex wants uh, wants closure with this whole case involving his wife and son, I can only imagine that the mother of Stephen Smith wants the same. Yeah, after six years, for sure. I know that's a long time. You know, not not knowing mm -hmm. and. Uh, you know that's that's the funny thing about it. He might have been 19 years old, but they say you know you're yeah. that uh, you're never too old to be mama's baby. Yep, sad. On June 25th, members of the Murdoch family formally announce a hundred thousand dollar reward for Im information that leads to the arrest in the double homicide. And then we move into July. July 7th, attorneys representing a survivor of the boat crash that killed Mallory Beach uh, filed a petition alleging law enforcement tried to shift the blame from Paul to their client, Connor Cook. And uh, that is something I have here as well. So that was on July 7th. Uh, the, uh, the petition was filed. And then I have here that on September 20th of this year, so just recently, Connor Cook, who was on board the boat the night Mallory Beach was killed, he filed a lawsuit in Hampton County against Alex Murdahl, his son Buster, as well as Gregory M. Parker uh, Incorporated and Parker's uh, employee, I hope I'm saying his name right, Tajia Cohen for their alleged roles in the crash. Now, what he's referring to uh, is Parker's. Parker's is the actual gas station, like I mentioned before, where Paul had stopped on his way to the party to purchase alcohol. Now, this uh, mm -hmm. looks like uh, the employee with the last name of Cohen. Um, I'm assuming that this was indeed the person behind the counter that sold Paul alcohol. Right. And I think he and Buster, I mean, look similar, but I don't know if, you know, the ID, I don't know. Not that similar. Exactly. I don't, everybody takes a different driver's license picture. Uh, so mm -hmm. I don't know what, how close or how familiar they look with one another there, you know? Right. So then we go back to July, July 14th. Um, it said that uh, during a court hearing, Circuit Judge Bentley Price said he would review the redactions that SLED had made 
in publicly released documents pertaining to the case, and if he felt they weren't legal, he would order more information to be released. Then on July 22nd, uh, SLED released the 911 call, which was placed by Alex the night Paul and Maggie uh, were killed. And then we move into August. On August 6th, People Magazine spotlight the double homicide of Paul and Maggie Murdoch. Uh, the South Carolina Attorney General's Office drops all charges against Paul Murdoch in the death of Mallory Beach, of course, due to his own death. September 4th, father of Paul Murdaugh and husband to Maggie. Yes, this is where things really took a turn. It, it's most definitely for the worst in, in, in his instance, but Alex Murdaugh is shot in the head. Here's the thing. It says he was changing a tire in Hampton County, according to a family spokesperson. Sled uh, was investigating. He was hospitalized in Savannah, Georgia. At the time, he was um, said to be conscious and speaking. And of course, we all know now that uh, this was all a ploy. This was uh, a, what was it that he was charged with? Uh, conspiring to commit insurance fraud. Is that correct? I think so. That's, I seem to recall that. Yeah, I believe so. And I can't remember the gentleman's name and I should know better, but it's probably in here. Uh, Curtis Edward Smith. Yes, I think so. That sounds right. Yes, that is his name. Yeah, All that right, guy. So, so it's at this point that he, you know, Alex is taken to the hospital for, you know, to kind of be looked over and everything. And then uh, on September 6th, Alex released a statement that says that in part he is resigning from his law firm and entering rehab. It was right around the same time that it kind of was disclosed that there was a substantial amount of money that had been missing from the law firm. Um, I don't know if there is an actual number on that as of yet. The law firm put out this statement when they said that he had, uh, he was entering rehab because all of a sudden now he has a, I think they said he was an opioid addiction, but we'll go into this a little bit more because I don't know what was going on here exactly, but they said he had an opioid addiction. Uh, my first thing is if you if you're a, a lawyer and you have an opioid addiction for the past 20 years, how many <laughs> how many lawsuits could you have against you of misrepresentation? Right. So later that same day, PMPED, uh, which is the law firm that Alex actually worked for. So in a statement released by the law firm, it says this, quote, this is disappointing news for all of us. Rest assured that our firm will deal with this in a straightforward manner. There's no place in our firm for such behavior, end quote. So then on September 8th of this year, the South Carolina Supreme Court suspended Alex Murdaugh's law license effective immediately. On September 10th of this year, a spokesperson representing Alex Murdaugh released a statement saying, in part, Murdaugh's shooting was not self-inflicted. He sustained a skull fracture and the gunman was driving a blue pickup truck. September 13th, SLED announced it opened an investigation into claims Alex Murdaugh was misappropriating funds from his former law firm. September 14th, this is very important, September 14th, Curtis Edward Smith, 61, is arrested in connection to the assisted suicide shooting of Alex Murdaugh. Authorities say Murdaugh admits that the scheme was set up so his surviving son could collect a $10 million life insurance policy. 
How do you get a $10 million insurance policy? So he did admit to that. Murdaugh did. Yes, he he did admit to it. Uh, So basically, the way Alex described everything, uh, he said he had conspired with Curtis Edward Smith to, you know, hey, I'm going to get you to... Uh, shoot me in the head or shoot me out on this backcountry road and Buster, my son, my only surviving son at this point, he can, you know, he can file to get this $10 million in insurance money and he'll be set for life. He'll be, he'll be taken care of. Yeah. Reap the benefits of my death. Right. And I can understand that, but here's the thing from what I read is that there was a, you know, most insurance policies, especially a life policy, have a um, a suicide clause in there. The suicide clause on this one was only for two years. So even if Alex had pulled the trigger himself, right. two years later, Buster could still make that claim. But Correct. Alex did not know that. He was not aware of that clause in there. And do we know how old this life insurance policy was? Was it older than two years? Yeah, I agree. Uh, that was another question I have. I'm not 100% on that. Or older than whatever the waiting period was. Yeah, I have no idea. That That's, that's a good question. When was it taken out? But how do you get a $10 million policy? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, what do you have to show yeah. to get a $10 million policy? That just blows my mind. I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, so attorneys representing Alex Murdoch issued a statement that Murdoch has battled opioid addiction for 20 years and Smith, Curtis Edward Smith, was one of his drug dealers. So then on September 15th, Smith appeared via video conference in a Colladin County court for the charge of distribution of methamphetamine. Because it was his first offense, he was able to post a $5,000 bond. His next appearance is set for November 8th. I'm going to reread that again. Smith... Curtis Edward Smith via video conference in a Colladin County courtroom for the charge of distribution of methamphetamine. Because it was his first offense, he was able to post a $5,000 bond. His next appearance is set for November 8th. Uh, Smith was transferred to Hampton County Court to face charges in connection to the Murdaugh shooting. So Alex Murdaugh is named the chief defendant in a wrongful death lawsuit filed by the sons of longtime Murnau housekeeper and nanny Gloria Satterfield. SLED announced its opening a criminal investigation into Satterfield's 2018 death. Um, now, this kind of throws me for a loop because both people that were involved or even closely near where this occurred, they are no longer with us. So how are you going to open an investigation into something? I mean, are you going to look at paperwork? I don't know. That's, I don't know how that works. I've never heard of such. And maybe I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And do we, you know, is it 100% certain that the, they were the only two there in the house? That's a good point. I didn't think about that. That's a very good point. Like I said, um, I discussed earlier that I believe that Paul and Gloria were the only two in the home. But that's a good point. How do we how how do we know that they were the only two in the home? Mm-hmm. I mean, the slip and falls aren't that. Um, I mean, they're not that uncommon. They probably happen happen more than we realize. But there has to be more to it. There has to be more evidence there for them to even think of opening up an 
you know, an additional investigation on that, I would think. Especially, what, six years down the road? Yeah, there must be something there, or either they found some sort of evidence, whether that... There's something there. It may, maybe it's not physical evidence. Maybe it's something, um, like I said, maybe it's a piece of paper or something. Maybe it's a diary. Maybe it's... There's no telling what it could be at this point. On September 16th of this year, Alex Murdahl turned himself in to authorities at the Hampton County Detention Center. Uh, he was given a $20,000 bond for insurance fraud charges stemming from his attempted assisted suicide plot. He is ordered to appear back in court on October 25th. Now, this is draws blanks for me because how can you be charged for insurance fraud when that was never committed you were they i know it was in his uh list of charges as far as conspiring to commit uh insurance fraud but no fraud was ever committed because no file uh, claim was ever filed and then it goes on to say that smith curtis edward smith he was actually given a fifty-five thousand dollar bond for his charges he is released from custody at noon and ordered back in court on November 8th. But it says for his charges, I, I'm assuming, I, I, I'm kind of wondering what charges, I guess, other than shooting, shooting, shooting Alex. Right. And who posted his bond? No idea. But I, now I was, I was under the uh, impression, I, I, I thought I heard something. This is where it gets, because you got all these numbers in here, but I could have swore I heard something somewhere that they were both released kind of under their own recognizance. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, and that's including Alex, that uh, he didn't pay a dime and walked out, as well as Mr. Smith. Now, I don't, like I said, I don't know if that's 100% true. Just going by what I believe I read somewhere, I just don't have it in front of me here. So then on September 17th, right. there seems to be, uh, it looked as if that, did Alex Murdahl receive preferential treatment in court as well as uh, I've spoke on this before but where was his head wound if you got struck in the head by a bullet and from what I re remember from the initial reports they said that there was an entry entry wound and an exit wound which makes for two wounds I didn't even see a band-aid on anybody uh, maybe I'm wrong about that, but uh, I didn't see one on the back of his head, on the front of his head, nowhere. Maybe it was fractured. And then wasn't the family saying they had a cracked skull and some other maladies? I don't know. I Yeah, fractured skull. I, if I get a paper cut, I'm done for for the day. So, I mean, to get shot in the head, I just don't see how right. you, you just keep going. I mean, you know, he didn't even have a... a a Dora Band-Aid on or anything. He's a quick healer. And this was how long after it happened? Not long. Matter of what weeks from the time it happened to the time he appeared in court? What, three weeks, two weeks? Because it was September 4th, which was a Saturday when he was mm -hmm. shot. He appeared in court on September 16th. Yeah, September, huh. September 16th. It's not very long. Oh, I agree. Yeah, you'd think he'd still be showing some, you know, some signs of that. Oh, oh absolutely. I mean... If even if I got shot in the head, I'd be walking with a limp for like six months. Exactly, you know, because us us men, you know, we get a common house cold and we're we're down and out. And my wife can attest to that. You're not lying. Oh, I, I know because see, that's the thing, and, and the reason being is because <laughs> we don't ever get sick, but when we do, 
It's bad. It's a tragedy. I'm telling you, a Greek tragedy. It's a national emergency. It feels like one. I agree. I know. Now, here in a twisted turn of events, September 18th, Uh, In an interview with the New York Post, Curtis Edward Smith actually says he is being set up by Alex Murdoch. Yeah, I'm not 100% um, up to date on this case as much as I thought I was. More has happened, you know, in the last week or so than I knew about. So some of this is definitely new to me. The problem is, is that when you get a case like this, something that's that's gone national and as widespread as it is, uh, you know, if this had remained local and didn't get the media attention it's getting since all this started, the weird part about this is that it wouldn't be as confusing. And I know that it doesn't make any sense, but the more media outlets you get thrown in there, the harder it is to follow along. Right, and to know which media outlets are, you know, reporting the facts, what's conjecture, what's rumor, what's, you know, everything. Exactly. So according to Mr. Curtis Edward Smith, this is on WJCL.com. The man arrested in connection with the shooting of Alex Murdoch earlier this month says he is being set up. Prominent Lowcountry attorney was injured on September 4th in Hampton County, uh, said he was shot in the head while he was changing a tire. That story quickly changed uh, when he told authorities he hired a man to kill him so his surviving son could receive a $10 million life insurance policy. In an interview with the New York Post, Curtis Edward Smith, 61, says he was set up by Murdaugh, who is a distant cousin and has represented Smith in the past. Quote, I know what they're trying to say about me, and it ain't true, Smith told The Post. Smith was arrested on September 14th on multiple charges, including assisted suicide. He was released from custody Thursday on a $55,000 bond. He is due back in court November 8th. According to the New York Post, Curtis Smith actually goes by the nickname of Fast Eddie. So it's Curtis Fast Eddie Smith. He said it was, quote, it was the craziest situation I ever been involved with. I was set up to be the fall guy. And those damn pictures of me in the newspaper. I was looking at them this morning. They didn't let me take a damn shower, end quote. Smith, who is both a distant cousin of Alex and a former client, is the latest person to be implicated in a twisted Southern Gothic murder mystery that has captivated the world. It began June 7th when the pretty college sweetheart, wife and son of Alex Murdoch, a prominent and powerful lawyer who knows everyone in town, were brutally gunned down at their hunting lodge in Allenton. And like I mentioned earlier, I don't think it actually started there. I don't believe this is when that case broke. I think it was back with the boating accident because... Because that was, yes, it was just the beginning, uh, but there was so much that the rest of us just weren't made aware of at that point. So according to his lawyers, Dick Harputlian and Jim Griffin, Murdaugh admitted to them sometime around September 13th that he hired Smith to kill him. But the planned uh, planned, uh, fatal shot only ended up grazing his head. He allegedly hatched a plan to have himself killed. Murdoch surrendered Thursday on charges of insurance fraud, conspiracy to commit insurance fraud, uh, and filing a false police report in the case. He was released on a personal recognizance bond of $20,000, and his lawyer 
Dick Harputley and said he was going to an out-of-state rehab. Smith, who was used uh, who used to work in logging, was also arrested and charged with assisted suicide, assault, and battery of a high aggravated nature, pointing and presenting a firearm, insurance fraud, and conspiracy to commit insurance fraud. He was released on twenty thousand dollar bail. Okay, um, so then where did the fifty five thousand come in? Yeah, I was kind of I was getting a little lost there on that too. Okay, so yeah, see, this is what we were talking about just a second ago. It's it's weird because different ones are reporting different uh different things and this is why it's so easy to get confused in these cases um but okay so here we go this is what i was referring to earlier but smith goes on to say quote i get a call from alex that saturday afternoon to come to where he was and i thought it was maybe to fix something smith said gesturing to a silver chevy pickup he he said was his work truck quote i had no idea what he wanted i just went over there smith said he then drove over to the stretch of rural old Sockahatchee road and found Murdaugh in his car he said Murdaugh then got out of his car brandishing the gun and waving it around as if he might be about to shoot himself quote i run over and we wrestled a minute together me trying to get the gun away from him smith said quote then the gun kind of went off above his head and i got scared to death and i ran to my truck and took off end quote smith said he took Murdaugh's gun and threw it away he did not say where Quote, I wound up with the gun, Smith said. It was plain stupid, just plain stupid. When asked if any bullet actually struck or grazed Alex's head, Smith shook his head. Quote, I don't know. He said, I just got out of there. There were no visible marks nor any bandage on Murdaugh's head at his Wednesday bond hearing. Though his lawyers have said he may have suffered a minor skull fracture and minor brain bleed. Mm. He might have. Might have. So then it goes on to say, Smith doesn't have legal representation yet and is hoping to find a lawyer, quote, with a bone to pick against the Murdaws. When asked if he shot Alex on the road or if he killed Maggie and Paul, Smith shook his head and said, no, I never did nothing, he said. Quote, if a car is broke down, if things need working on, neighbors in this area at times need something done, if I can't help you, I'm not going to hurt you. End quote. Quote, I've never hurt anyone. It's that simple. It's a bad deal. A really bad deal. I guess I was naive for getting caught up in this damn thing, too. End quote. Wow. Yeah, Fast Eddie, you were. I'm telling you. Not fast enough. <laughs> not fast enough. It turns out it's true that everybody in a small town's related. Yep. It's, you're right. I think I'd read that before that they were distantly related. I'd forgotten about that, though. I had forgotten that. Now, apparently, I guess this actually took place at his house, I guess. It says Smith shook his head. No, when the post asked if he was Alex's drug dealer or used drugs himself. He walked, bent, he walked bent over as he showed a post reporter around his yard and introduced his pets, including cats named Jay-Z and Biggie and a pit bull mix named Dixie. I love your names. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm Team Fast Eddie on those. I like those. Team Fast Eddie. Well, that's pretty much it. Um, that pretty much brings us up to where we are now. Um, other than, you know, of course, you've got... Everything at this point is in a stage of looming. A looming period, if you will. Everything's just kind of sitting, waiting, and, you know, just biding its time. Uh, 
and that's what we're doing as well. We're just kind of waiting, holding out to see what actually happens, what occurs, what, what comes out of all this mess, because let's be honest, it is a mess. Um, I feel sorry for everyone involved, um, especially those who have suffered from this greatly um, and those who have suffered in, in the past. And it's just, it's, it's not good for anyone. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Miss Lexi, I really do appreciate you being here today, even though the uh, ins with the insurmountable a number of uh, technical difficulties we've had so far. Hey, where there's a will, there's a way. We'll make it work. But I appreciate you letting me be on. Oh, absolutely. I can't wait for the next episode. Uh, I kind of want to give a, a dive into that, but um, not quite yet. I don't think we're ready for that just yet. We'll definitely be back. Miss Lexi will definitely be back. And um, like I said, if you guys actually enjoyed this episode, please do us a, a favor. Go go check out the Instagram page, instagram.com forward slash the Southern Spectre. Be sure to follow me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Southern Spectre podcast. You can find me on TikTok at the Southern Spectre. Don't forget to tune in next week when I will be doing the live give giveaway. Stay tuned as I'll be putting out uh, more information on that. Like I said, all you got to do is go to Instagram, go to Facebook, find that post where I talk about the prizes in this giveaway. Once you find that, give me a like, give me a follow, leave a comment if you will. But everybody who does that, we're going to put your name in a big old hat or maybe a, a, a black plastic cauldron, and then we're going to pull your name. And whoever's name we call, you win the whole lot of it. So there you go. Um, once again, Lexi, thank you for being here. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Um, maybe we'll work around all these gremlins we got in our machines. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, everyone, you guys take care and take care of each other. And until next time, I've been your host, uh, Isaiah, and uh, y'all take care. <laughs>